0: Welcome to the Weekly Spiral. You are tuned into episode 42. Today we're going to keep it in the AFC. We're going to go over the AFC West and then we're going to talk about some what ifs. We're going to take a dive deep back in history and uh, look at some things and what might have happened if those things didn't happen. So that will be interesting and exciting. Stick around. We have an exciting episode today. I got my partners in crime here with me, Matthew Durgan and Casey Sully. How are you guys doing today?
1: Doing well. Doing
2: man. great. Sun's
1: Sun- out, guns out. Summertime. <laughs> skies out, thighs out.
2: Blue skies, white thighs.
1: <laughs> that's, that's, that's a little too real for me. I feel personally attacked, but uh, it's accurate. Well, this is an interesting
0: start to this episode.
2: boy, uh, <laughs> look at, just look at me, and you'll uh, see why I said that.
0: Hey, we're 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 right there with you, man. We talked about it last week. We get sunburnt way too easily. I'm scared to leave my house for uh, coronavirus-related reasons as well as sun reasons at this point. But I think we will survive. Let's dive into the AFC West here. This is an interesting division. It includes our Super Bowl champion Chiefs, the Broncos, Chargers, and the now Las Vegas Raiders. Um, lots of moving parts here. I think these teams have changed a lot in the offseason, and we could see some things shake up next year. Durgan, you want to you start us off? Give us your takes on what you think might, might uh, shake out in this division? Yeah,
2: let's do it. Uh, at the top... No surprise, it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs, along with Patrick Mahomes. Say selfie. Uh, I've been going 14 and 2. Then I got the Broncos at 9 and 7. They'll be slipping into the last playoff spot in the AFC. The Chargers at 9 and 7, just barely miss it. And in last place at 6 and 10, the Las Vegas Raiders. I will continue to say Oakland Raiders, probably for the next decade. Uh, there's no, no, it's, it's in my head. It, that's never going to change. Anyways, uh, just a quick breakdown of this division. Like I said, the Chiefs, they didn't really lose anybody from last year. Uh, they got a new running back in Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's going to have a huge impact, I believe, on this offense. I still think they're going to be passing the ball a lot more than running the ball. But he's more suited for that kind of system or he not carry the ball a lot where he can get out in space and uh, be creative. And I like him a lot. I think he's going to be one of the best rookies in the league this year. But the Chiefs, their defense, you know, not the best, but their offense can score whenever they want. It seems like 14 and two might be a little high. That's really tough to do to go 14 and two. But the way I see it breaking down, I don't see many teams being able to outscore them. And especially in an off season where a lot of teams aren't getting work, or get, aren't getting a chance to practice together, you want to keep your same team together, and that's going to really benefit team teams like the Chiefs to do well this year. So they'll be uh, up at the top again. And then second place, maybe a little bit of surprise, but I got the Broncos. Broncos, late surge. Uh, Drew Locke looked good. Uh, I don't know if he's the guy, but he's going to be pretty damn good this year, I think. Uh, they went for the last five. Weapons on offense, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, they drafted. Noah Fant is going to really uh, step up this year and develop into one of the best tight ends in the league. Then you also got Melvin Gordon, who is no schlup either. And Philip Lindsay is your number two back. That might be the best one-two punch in the league. Or it's up there at least. So I can't see them uh, doing too much worse than they did last year. And I see them taking a big step this year. Uh, but it kind of depends on their defense. Lost to uh, Bradley Chubb last year. And if they have Bradley Chubb and they have Von Miller off the edge for a full season. With Vic Fangio I think has kind of figured out how to be a, a head coach. I see the team doing pretty damn good. And then you get the Chargers who will do Charger things. Do well at some points but ultimately disappoint. Justin Herbert shouldn't start this year. Uh, Tyrod or Turod Taylor, however he wants to pronounce his name this year. I think he's going to do an okay job. He's going to be a good game manager. But you know, ultimately, they don't have enough uh, weapons to really push it on offense. Austin Eckler, people are thinking he's going to have a big year. I think he sees a lot more action. But he's kind of small. Don't know how durable he is. We'll see what happens though with that. And finally, the Las Vegas Raiders. You, know, you can change the city, but you can't change the team. They're flawed. <laughs> Derek Carr is overrated. People think he had that one good year. What Was it 2015, 2016? Maybe 2017? I don't know. Top of my head. He had that one good year. Then he got a back injury, and since then, he's been toast. He's been nothing. Yeah, his stats look like he's been good. Completing a lot of passes, but it's easy to complete a lot of passes when you're throwing the ball three yards in the air. He was towards the bottom this year, an average air attempt uh, per throw. So he's not taking shots down the field. And yeah, they have Henry Ruggs now, who can kind of take the top off of defenses. But I think he's going to be more as a decoy and to stretch things out. Darren Waller is going to have a lot more attention this year. He's not going to fly under the radar. They have an okay defense. I think they're kind of building to get there. Uh, Max Crosby kind of shocked everybody by having a great rookie season. Cleveland Farrell, is he that guy. I don't know. Abrams, their safety uh, looked good on hard knocks and look good in limited action last year <laughs> in the preseason. Uh, but he was injured last year, so we have to see what happens there. Their corners are still a mess. I don't like what they did there. I think they're gonna get exposed by the Broncos and by the Chiefs. And I think ultimately a first year in Vegas is a disaster. Or at least I hope so.
0: You hope so? <laughs> wow. There's some yeah, bias. Coming I hate the Raiders. There. I see I, that. I mean I don't I, love the Raiders myself, but I think you're being a little I don't even know what the word is here. Aggressive, mean, with the 6-10 and record? I mean, that's pretty bad. You, you think the Raiders are the worst team in this division? Yes. Ooh, oh, yes. I don't know. Yes. I don't know if I agree with that. But
2: the Chargers are better coached and are better suited to win games ugly. The Raiders have... Josh Jacobs is a beast.
0: Wait, hold he on, hold on, by- hold on. Pause. Why are the Chargers better suited to win games ugly? Didn't all they did last year was just lose games ugly? Like, they... We're L- in lost, so many one-score of games, of games, and they lost them, like all of them.
2: Yeah, but they lost a lot of close <laughs> games last year in like crazy ways. The the Phillip Rivers special is go down by a lot of points, make a crazy comeback, have that last chance to win it at the end, and Philip Rivers throw a pick or a terrible pass to cost him the game. He's gone. Tyrod Taylor, or Tyrod Taylor, however he wants to go by, he is a good game manager. He's not going to, you know... Let them get down late. They're going to be a pretty safe offense. And Austin Eckler, surprisingly, I'm doing a fancy piece right now about breakout stars, and he had a great year last year. I didn't even realize it, really. I knew he was good, but I didn't know he was that good. He's kind of one of the better two-way running backs in the entire league. So I like what he can do. But ultimately, their defense is every level has someone that scares you. you got Bosa and you got Ingram on the line. Derwin James is a safety, but he plays a lot in the box. So he kind of eliminates the tight end. And then they got Chris Harris Jr. from the Broncos, who is kind of underrated, one of the best corners in the league. I think that they're going to win a lot of games by a score. A lot of things could have flipped from last year. And when you look at a team like the Raiders, they have Jacobs. But Carr has not, you know, last few years has not been able to win you games. I don't think Gruden believes in him. I think Gruden is looking to get him out as quick as possible. They might roll with Marcus Mariota. I wouldn't be shocked if by midseason Marcus Mariota is starting quarterback for the Raiders.
1: I mean, you're trading one one guy for another guy in Marcus Mariota and Derek Carr. But we it, thought. As this, far
2: as throwing short. I mean, I think, but Mariota is mobile. I'm not, I'm not a big Mariota guy. I was coming out of college. I thought he was going to be the next best thing, and he wasn't. But we thought Tannehill was done after he left Miami. So sometimes these teams or these quarterbacks needed a new change of scenery. And I think Mariota. Has a chance to do that, but I think Gruden wants to go. He wants to go for it all next offseason and get a quarterback. If Carr doesn't pan out like I project, he won't.
1: Well, I, I don't think he's gonna need to, as far as my rankings go. I have the the Raiders slipping into a, a playoff spot with a wild card. Um, I'm actually doing or have completed a, a breakdown on Derek Carr that'll come out in a little while. Um, like you you mentioned his his attempted air yards it, they've gone down every single year that he's been in the league um, but he's actually the third rated best deep passer in the nfl since 2016 so when he does throw it he's incredibly accurate and if you think about the weapons that the raiders have had the last number of years can you name many receivers you can get a, a washed up jordy nelson hunter renfro uh-huh. hunter renfro I mean- is surprisingly pretty good um, but he hasn't had much like is has there been a deep threat on that team? Like Darius Hayward Hayward Bay is the last one I remember oh being there. Um, and we know sort of how how that ended. But he hasn't had very many pieces around him. He hasn't had a, he hasn't didn't have Josh Jacobs. Um, he had him last year, but before that, like to dump it all on Carr, I think it's tough when there's not very many pieces around him on offense or defense.
2: Um, so, but the Raiders have surprisingly one of the better offensive lines in the league. Total side note. But they they do. do. They do, for sure. Which, I um, mean, when, usually when a team has good offensive line, they're able to run the ball and throw the ball at will. Usually. Usually. Well,
0: let's usually. not discount the fact that despite having very few weapons, I mean, his best weapon was arguably Darren Waller, maybe Tyrell Williams uh, last year. So. He still had a 4,000-yard season, and he, he had 70% completion. So he, I know you said the stats may may not tell the whole story, but you can't at some point ignore that. I mean – it's it's almost like the Carson Wentz syndrome in my mind, where your quarterback is being held back by your organization not providing them with talent and weapons on offense, which I don't think can be understated. Carr has every opportunity to prove himself this year, so we'll see. And I I will get I'll dive into my take in a little bit here, Casey. I don't <laughs> want to steal your thunder. Go ahead, man. But are
1: no, good. Uh, well, I'll jump into my my picks as I rebut some of what Durgan uh, talked about. But I got the Chiefs finishing at twelve and four, winning the division. I uh, have the Raiders at eleven and five, getting the number five seed in the playoffs. Um, the Broncos at five and eleven and the Chargers at three and thirteen. I'm sorry for all the Chargers fans. I know my friend Zach from San Diego is gonna be very disappointed and dismayed at that projected record. But uh You, you
2: disappointed all twenty Charger fans out there in the world.
1: Yeah, so uh sorry guys if you don't want to listen anymore i understand but uh i don't see it panning out very well for you guys uh, but i'll start at the top we'll start with the chiefs um 14 and 2 like like durgan said it's it's going to be tough i mean the chiefs are no longer the hunters right they're the hunted now everyone's coming out after them they won the super bowl everyone wants to knock the champ off the pedestal uh which is why i have them with four losses on the season um Mahomes definitely had magic at the end of the games, but let's not forget that they sort of stumbled ass-backwards into a first-round bye because the Patriots lost to the Dolphins, and then they were down big in both playoff games, right? Props for the comebacks, but let's not think that this team is all of a sudden, you know, crowned for a repeat already, right? They're They're definitely human, and they're not some unbeatable juggernaut that that is going to just run rampant through the league. And they're playing a lot of teams that have gone significantly better this offseason. You talk about the Bucks; they're playing the Bucks in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady's there. Rob Gronkowski's there. Um, Mike Evans is there. That's a really good team. I think the Falcons are going to be much improved this year. Uh, they're playing the Raiders twice, who I th- obviously have in the playoffs. Um, I think they're improved this year, and they're playing the Bills as well, who has Stefan Diggs and um, – Paired with Josh, Josh Allen, and they're they're going to do some stuff in in Buffalo as well. So, uh, I could foresee this being a battle sort of down the stretch with the Raiders. I don't think they're necessarily going to pull away with this, this division early. Um, as far as the Raiders go. Like you said, Cleveland Farrell did not really step up in year one, but uh, a lot of guys take a big year two leap, and I think he he might be one of those guys. Um, like you said, they're going to have Jonathan Abrams back from injury, who was also their, one of their first-round picks last year. They have Max Crosby, who, who had 10 sacks last year. They signed Corey Littleton, who was the best linebacker on the market, and they definitely needed to, to shore up that position. Um, they might struggle at corner, but uh, I think that defense is starting to come together. And then you look on offense, you have Darren Waller, and uh, you throw in Rugs and Hunter Renfro played really well. Josh Jacobs should have been the Offensive Rookie of the Year, and um, Gruden's really emphasized sort of this ball control offense that, that relies on the high percentage throws from Derek Carr and running the ball effectively, and that's what you've seen. Not a very exciting uh, offense to watch but when your defense isn't complete like it hasn't been the last couple of years that's sort of the way to go right you want to possess the ball uh, minimize the amount of times the other team's going to have uh, a chance to score and sort of string the game out and sort of compress that game so that you know you have a chance to win at the end um, and that's sort of been the strategy and I think now you can start to see that offense begin to open up um, or you will start to see them this this next year. Uh, I think the rebuild is over. I think this is the year they get there, and uh, John Gruden is going to have a street named after him eventually in Vegas now, I guess. <laughs> um, even though Raiders fans always have sort of loved him and are bitter about him being traded to the to the Bucks uh, and winning a Super Bowl with them. Um, as far as the Broncos go, just like Durgan is selling stock on Gardner Minshew, I'm selling my stock on Drew Locke. I don't think he's the guy... He struggled making uh, good decisions last year, threw into coverage a lot, and didn't really anticipate where defenders were going to be or understand where coverages were, were roting, rotating to or from, and um, got himself into trouble. He got super lucky um, on a number of throws not getting them intercepted. Um, but like you said, he won. Um, they won five out of the six last games, I think. Um, I love the skill positions they have with Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Um But ultimately, I think Locke lets them down. That defense isn't where it used to be uh, when they made that Super Bowl run with Peyton Manning. Um, Chargers, I don't like Terod Taylor. I don't like Justin Herbert, and I don't think either of them are the answer. I think they lose a a few games early. They bench Terod Taylor and play Justin Herbert too early. And he has a lot of troubles with interceptions, and it's a solid team overall, but that offensive line is really bad, and that's not a situation you want to throw uh, a rookie quarterback into. I really don't see where they've upgraded significantly aside from signing Brian Belaga to help their their offensive line, which was ranked twenty ninth last year. I agree.
2: Well, hopefully they sign, hopefully they sign new trainers because every year at this team, is up there in the most injured players in terms of IR. I mean, Hunter Henry, every year, beginning of the year, he has a serious yeah. injury. I mean, if you can get him healthy and get some of these guys actually playing, which I'm assuming, I'm assuming, you know, always the best no injuries, but you, know, you guys have to at some point stay healthy because Anthony Lynn is a good head coach. I think he, his team, you no, know, he's kind of dealt with the hand he's been you no, know, or was it the phrase? I'm trying to blame the phrase. Anyways, he's. <laughs> He's had a lot of injuries, but they've always been competitive. They've always been a team that's either near the playoff spot, except for last year, or in games late. I mean, they beat the Packers last year. Not to rub it into too much into you. But <laughs> oh. this team, for what they've had, you know, they don't have any linebackers. They haven't had any secondary the last two or three years, and yet they make the most of it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they deal with some important negotiations coming up, particularly with Bosa, because they're a pretty cheap franchise. But, you know, I'm not a fan of Herbert. If he plays, then yeah, I think it's more 13 or 3 and 13 than it is 9 and 7, like I predict. But Tyrod Taylor or Cam Newton, if they sign him, that'd be a great fit there. uh, Could really turn the team around, hopefully.
0: Wait, don't they have Casey Hayward? I mean, don't they have Derwin Derwin.
1: James?
2: Well, Casey Hayward's like also 37 years old. They just
1: got Kenneth Murray. So. Perryman's Casey, not good. Casey Hayward was the number one ranked coverage corner in the NFL last year.
2: By by, P, by, by pro football focus?
1: Yeah. I hate those guys. They know I've what they're
2: talking about, them.
0: though. I mean, Chris Harris Jr. now, too. Like This team, the secondary yeah, yeah, is not man. a weakness. This defense now, is stacked across the board, Now they have Chris opinion. Harris. Literally, There's I don't see good. a position on this defense. I'm looking at the depth chart. I don't see a position that they need to upgrade on their defensive depth chart. Linebacker. I don't think so. Denzel Perryman and Kenneth Murray.
2: Well, Kev Murray, yeah. both those guys are great run stuffers, but in terms of the pass game, suspect. But, I mean, I know I'm with you. I, I think it's a good defense. I mean, Derwin James, if he can stay healthy, he's the closest thing at safety we've seen to Sean Taylor or a guy who is just a physical specimen and just flies all over the field. So, yeah. hopefully he can stay healthy. Well,
0: I, I, I think... The problem here is that defense is not enough anymore in my mind. I think the the league has mm. shifted and we're seeing this sort of paradigm shift to where, you know, old school mentality was defense wins you championships. I feel like it's offense now. And we saw that with the Chiefs last year. Um, you know, if you can score more than your opponent, you're going to win the game. So I have a similar sort of ranking to Casey, which I'll dive into first, obviously Chiefs. 15-1 is the record I have them at. I know it's unlikely, but I looked through the schedule and really, I think in the AFC, the only team that rivals them is the Ravens as a whole. I mean, you could make yeah. the argument for the Bucks. I think there's too many questions there for me to feel good about putting them on the same level as the Chiefs and the Ravens. I feel like they're just, just a notch below um, with the potential to be even better. But there's too many questions, too many unknowns. I I don't I I don't feel comfortable putting them on that same level. Can the Chiefs be the first team to repeat since the Pats in 03 04? Probably not. I think it's a lot more difficult than you think to uh repeat no matter who you have at quarterback and what talent you have, and to Casey's point, this team, the Chiefs, almost didn't even make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, they were down in multiple playoff games. No other team has the sort of transcendent talent to make those comebacks. They're lucky they do, but that doesn't always it's not always something you can rely on. And I think just adding the pieces they added in Clyde Edwards Alaire doesn't really take them over the top where they're gonna be a sure thing uh, for a repeat. So I'm not banking on that for sure, but I think it's between them and the Ravens and they're lucky they're in the AFC. That's what I'm gonna say. Uh, Raiders. I have the Raiders second. Similar to Casey, I have them at ten and six. And to answer the question will Derek Carr keep the starting job over Mariota hands down, no question. Carr had his best year last year, stats-wise. 70% 70 completion, 4,000 yards, 21 touchdowns, and eight interceptions is not too gaudy of a number, uh, stats-wise. But he played well. He didn't have anything around him. Now he has a decent offensive line. He has a stud running back, speed at wide receiver, and a 1,000-yard tight end who broke out last year in Darren Waller. If you can get him in fantasy, I think you should. Uh, with Henry Ruggs stretching the field, he's going to get a lot of underneath throws, and he'll be uh, Derek Carr's safety blanket. So as far as tight end goes, he's tight end two or three in my book. Um, so unless he really shits the bed and just does something monstrously bad, I don't see him ever losing the job to Mariota, who has done nothing to inspire confidence, um, and with a short offseason, will not come in and and do anything in, in camp to, to show what he can do. So... I, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect that at all. Third, I have the Broncos. I'm a little bit opposite of both of you though. I'm on the Drew Lock hype train. The kid <laughs> listen, listen. The kid came in and won four out of his five games that he started. He's a winner. And during those five games, he threw a thousand and twenty yards seven touchdowns, and three interceptions. If you amortize that small sample size out over what could have been a full season over 16 games, granted there's a lot of variables, but if you take that and multiply it out over a 16-game season, his stats are on par with a lot of quarterbacks who came in and won Offensive Rookie of the Year. Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, to name a few that won in the past five years. Uh, A little bit less in yardage, but similar. So he played well. I mean, it's a small sample size, and this team only got better. KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, that's a deadly trio of receivers. Noah Fant is going to have a breakout second year, I think, as well. Another another uh, tight end option you should be on the lookout in your fantasy drafts. But he was 4-1 and as a starter, and he was a winner. He's kind of got that it factor in my mind when I watch him play, where you trust that guy. You want the ball in that guy's hand. And I think the Broncos are going to do good things. This isn't the year where I think they they blow it out of the water, but they're on their way, and I have them at 9-7 and and 3rd in this division. I could easily see them 2nd, swapping with the Raiders if things don't go as planned in Las Vegas. And then lastly, I touched on it a little bit. I got the Chargers at 6-10. and When do we see Herbert? Hopefully we don't. Uh, Hopefully (laughs) Tyrod Taylor is that stopgap for them, and you don't need to rush Herbert in because I don't think he's ready, and I don't think he will be at any point this year. Um, But I do like this offense. I mean... Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, if Hunter Henry is healthy, Austin Eckler, huge fan. Uh, there's there's pieces there. So I think there's definitely opportunity for them to do well. I just don't see Tyrod Taylor taking them to the playoffs. Um, and I see this defense carrying them to sort of a 6-10, and 7-9 type season, sub-500. Um, and Justin Herbert doesn't play his first year, which is totally fine and what it should be. So that's, I think, my take on all of this. And really, it's unfortunate, but I think the Chiefs and the Ravens are really the only two teams, in my mind, to keep an eye on in the AFC, as well as the Bucks. But uh, it is what it well, is.
2: Bucks and FC. Bucks are in the oh, AFC South. Good point. So, I mean, it, it's. Never mind. You're right, though. It, it's, it's the Chiefs and the Ravens by far. And then it's the on on boy, Ryan deb- Tannehill. Huge step down. Not even close. But I, have, I think I have a good comparison for Drew Locke. Is he similar to Jimmy G? He might have a lot of holes in his game, but at the end of the day, he wins. And at the end of the day, the teammates want him under center.
1: I mean, the Niners also have one of the best rosters top to bottom in the league, though. So if you need to do that for Drew Locke, uh, I don't know that they're they're there yet.
2: But when, when Jimmy G first entered... The team with a twenty seventeen. They were uh, they had won one game all season. Two games all season. One game all season. And then he comes and wins five in a row. This team had won two games, and then Drew Lock comes out of nowhere and they win four. It's too early so, to tell, Joe. It's just
0: too early to tell.
2: It's too early to tell. But I, I think there are some similarities in terms of their swagger and their kind of demeanor they have on the team. Obviously, I think Drew Lock has a bigger arm and more talent, and Jimmy G is more surgical, so when it comes to his one uh, throw a game where he throws to the other team on purpose, but I I think there are a lot of parallels between the Niners and the Broncos. Good defenses, Uh, the defense doesn't carry the team to win, but the offense just has to do enough, and I think you could argue the Broncos from top to bottom skill positions are deeper than the Niners, even. I mean, Judy, Sutton, Hamler, Fant, uh, Gordon, Lindsey, that's pretty good all drew log has to do is not suck if he's average this team goes down in seven
1: I, I think he is gonna suck i think he's <laughs> gonna throw a lot of interceptions and he's gonna put that uh defense that's sort of declining and aging i think they're, he's gonna put them in a hole and they're gonna lose some games because of it he'll have flashes i would think like i don't know early career brett Favre, where you can see mm-hmm. there's something there but he's gonna make a lot of mistakes, yeah. and uh, I think he's gonna get confused by some some exotic coverages and blitzes, and and have some trouble with that. Because uh, on the flip side of that, yeah, he won. He went four and one as a starter. He wins for sure. But he also only has five games in the NFL. He's still essentially a rookie as far as playing goes. Um, so I think he's still gonna be susceptible of a lot of those mistakes. I did a, a film breakdown on him a number of months ago. Um, yeah, where I looked at his every game he started, and it, I didn't come away super impressed by, by what he put on film. Um, can he turn it around and work on it? Absolutely. But um, from what I've seen of him right now, what he's put on film, I don't believe in him.
2: Also, to know, they have a new offense coordinator, Pat Shermer. So the team we see in Week 1, I think it's going to be a lot different than the team we see in Week 8. And it's a different team than Week 16. So they get better as they get along the season.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if Pat Shermer being their new offensive coordinator really inspires more confidence or less. To be honest, <laughs> but um,
2: listen, he was terrible with the Giants, but with Case Keenum, he turned him into a good quarterback that one year. Question mark?
1: Yeah, I would credit that more to Mister Stefanski, you're our guy. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sold on the Broncos. Clearly, you guys are more sold, but uh, I wouldn't be honestly. I wouldn't be surprised if they went nine and seven somewhere around there, and, and Drew Locke played serviceably because um, he has the talent. It's just whether he can put it all together. Yeah, and and you know,
0: it's it's early to tell. I just said it, but four and one coming in, not only you know late in the season, but I think he showed a lot in his in his in his rookie year, even within five games. Like I think he showed more than people expected of him um and if the coaches can put him in a position to succeed the gms i mean elway i think has done a good job with that offense so he mm-hmm. has all the weapon he has more weapons than most rookie quarterbacks or second year quarterbacks will or or do so he he could easily succeed and i think he will i'm i'm if i if i was a betting man i would say that he has <laughs> a pretty decent season
2: my main concern is that offensive line is a dumpster fire, but maybe they'll figure it out. Who knows? Maybe they will.
1: Maybe they will. It's a possibility.
0: Um, let's move on to the next segment here. We have the biggest what ifs in NFL history. Um, what are you guys? What are you guys thinking here for this one?
2: Casey, go first.
1: Okay, uh, so I got a recent memory one. And I got a a throwback, older one. Um, Recent memory, I was thinking, what if Miami signed Drew Brees? That was when Nick Saban was there. um, And Drew Brees was coming off of his shoulder injury in San Diego. And um, he decided to pass on him and said, no, thanks. Go to the Saints. And we we sort of all know how that turned out. And Saban even came out during this draft saying, endorsing Tua and saying, like, I I made a mistake when I didn't – appreciate drew breezes talent i knew he was talented i just got scared away by the injury uh, and he was endorsing the same thing for tua saying that like hey he's got the talent it's clear that he has the talent he has the injury but don't get scared off from it um so i think you think about um tom brady and drew Brees in the same division going head-to-head for the last 10-15 years um and how that totally changes the landscape of the afc I think if it's Breeze and Manning and Brady and the AFC, um, all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the Patriots are fighting for home field advantage um, every year. Uh, they're not a lock to win the division every year. Um, they may have to play some more road games in the playoffs, and then all of a sudden are, are they in as many Super Bowls as they were. Um, so I think it changed the the landscape of the NFL. Um, and then for my older I have what if the Bills had won those four of or four Super Bowl appearances in a row um Jim Kelly could have been th- thought of as the greatest of all time four in a, think about that in the NFL four Super Bowls in a row if you won every single four in a row that's fucking wild that's like, insane even if you have like even the Bulls with MJ all right they only won three in a row
2: imagine they only half. the only one even they won two of those.
1: Appear in four Super Bowls and win two. Um, That's
2: tough. That's tough to do. It's tough to lose four it's Super tough. Bowls. It's tough to <laughs> lose
1: four Super Bowls. Imagine picking yourself up after the third Super Bowl loss and being like, "Hey guys, let's recharge. Let's get this one." And then you make it back and you lo- lose a fourth one. Um, I can't imagine the mental toughness um, from those teams. Has so. any team in any sport ever won four championships in a row?
0: I Oof. think maybe the Boston Celtics back in the day, maybe.
2: Bo- back in the 60s. Like the Bill no, Russell the era. Yankees Yankees back in the mm. way, 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 way back when. But I'm trying to think. I don't I know. Maybe soccer, but that's not, really, that's not really a sport, so can't count that. <laughs> um, if you're
0: listening and you know the answer to this, tweet at us. Yes, Let us know. Yes. But I don't, I don't I mean, know. I don't think any team the, has maybe.
2: The Celtics are... Or UCLA basketball won like four, yeah. like five straight uh, championships in the NCAA, but that's that's about it. Okay, let's limit football it football is professional, so, though.
1: It's so hard. F-
2: yeah, foot, football is almost impossible.
1: Because one person gets injured in that hole, right. it can derail that that streak, you know?
2: I mean, back-to-back Super Bowl years, that's really tough. Yeah. The four in a row, that's crazy. Crazy. Okay, I'll do my next... Uh, My first one, what if Drew Bledsoe never got hurt, then Tom Brady never takes over for the Patriots and doesn't win a Super Bowl in his first year, and who knows when he gets his chance to start and who knows when he does get his chance to start how the team does. Uh, So that's one of the things where the whole, call it a Wally Pip situation. Wally Pip was the first baseman for New York Yankees, got injured one day, Lou Gehrig, takes over, and then he plays a bazillion straight games in a row. And that's kind mm-hmm. of what happened to Bledsoe. Bledsoe wasn't a bad quarterback by any means. Belichick like I said, like he had no intention of like starting Tom Brady except for the fact that Drew Bledsoe got hurt. And the rest, obviously, is history. Tom Brady's not the greatest quarterback of all time, some say. Not me. That's point. <laughs> An older one is what if Bo Jackson never got hurt? Uh, he had the same injury, actually, that Tua got last year but when that happened in the 80s that was kind of like a death sentence like once you got that injury you were done and Bo Jackson never entirely focused on football he was a great running back at Auburn went to the at the time LA Raiders and he only played half the year because he played baseball as well played for the Kansas City Royals where he was an all-star but if he just focused on football he could have been one of the best running backs of all time I mean he averaged 5.4 yards per carry during an era where you ran the ball first and passed second, so he could have been, you know, looked at as a Barry Sanders, an Emmitt Smith type player, and his forty time reportedly was a four point one, and he was 230, 240 pounds. Hand timed.
0: I mean, you know, okay, <laughs> hand timed Sure, he was super <laughs> but, fast. And I will say, I think he already is one of the best running backs of all time. Uh, you know, even with I all mean, that, but based on
2: skill, yeah, based on skill. Exactly. He, only rushed, he only rushed for he rushed rushed for uh, two thousand. 782 yards which is like that's impossible it's Bo Jackson he's, he only played four years which is crazy mm-hmm. Yeah. but based on talent like he's arguably he's one of the best athletes I think in American sports history I'm not going to go international but if he had just focused on football which is more suited for his style played in baseball baseball he was a good player but he had like 250 in his career he was more of a power guy but he could have been really special in football if he stayed with it but the whole thing about Bo Jackson is that he was such a good athlete, he played two sports professionally at the same time.
0: Yeah. go. Yeah, and yeah, we've seen others try and, and not do as well. Bo Jackson, uh, definitely a legend. I have a, I have two. One is more personal and Eagles-related, <laughs> and the other is more timely and relevant to right now. So I'll get my personal one. I'll, I'll be quick on it. It's There's two, sort of. What if Chip Kelly... Never dismantled the Eagles entirely. Traded away my boy LaShawn for nothing. Cut Deshaun Jackson for zero reason. Um and use the excuse of character, which is utter bullshit. And then the second one, what if T O and McNabb were best buds? Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> um Two two things just ref- that I reflect back on and and wonder how things might be different. I think the Chip Kelly era was sort of a necessary evil in the sense that we it led to us sort of retooling, rebuilding, and, and restarting after that. I don't know rebuilding is the right word, but restarting, I guess, and winning a Super Bowl. So I can't necessarily complain about everything that happened, although it was sort of earth-shattering when the players that you grew up watching that were your favorite players were tossed aside for zero reason with without justification. And you bring in people like... Byron Maxwell and Kiko Alonso who were utter trash. And uh <laughs> yeah, and and then, you know, Deshaun's obviously back and there are some rumblings that Lashawn might come back to, which I don't know that I really want anymore, but um that would be interesting. And then T.O. and McNabb, I mean that was very early on when I was uh early in my fandom of the Eagles. That was uh unfortunate because T.O. was probably the best wide receiver I've ever seen in an Eagles uniform. So uh, anyway, those those two are kind of personal what-ifs that I, I look back on sometimes. And then the last one is, what if the NFL backed Kaepernick's protest to begin with instead of Roger Goodell making a statement four years later about
1: how they handled it incorrectly? Yeah, I mean, I think the second one has a lot of far-reaching um, impacts. I mean, you might almost think, like, a lot of the stuff going on right now might not be happening to a certain degree if the NFL takes a stand or takes a knee figuratively with Colin Kaepernick uh, and starts to address that issue 4 years ago maybe um you know the the serial violence of police on people of color is lessened or is at least on the the road to being addressed and uh, remedied uh, to some degree. Yeah, and I don't know that the NFL has the platform
0: to take that on entirely on their own. There's obviously a lot of other things that play into that, um, you know, more systemic things that are just deep-rooted in this country's history. But I do think it's a little bit hypocritical at this point to come out, and a lot of front office people saying things about Kaepernick almost saying that, you know, we were, we were wrong and we support him. And it's a little late. It's a little, just a little too late in my mind to come out and do that. You had your chance. You failed, and you did not do it. And to see, um, to see Goodell's message, it's 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 conflicting, right? Because on one hand, you're you're like it's about time. You know, it's it's good that they're doing right by their players and not necessarily the owners. You know, because this is a player driven league. If there were not African-American people playing in this league, you would have no players, right? It's just a fact. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm happy to see Goodell come out inside with the players. And I was reading an article earlier that said a lot of the owners were surprised by his statement, which is surprising to me that they would be surprised because <laughs> this is a league that should be fully behind the players and fully behind the movement that's happening right now because these players are what make all of these owners and Goodell and everyone tons and tons of money. And it's utter horseshit that in the beginning when Kaepernick was taking a stand, the narrative was flipped and and basically reversed on him as disrespecting the flag, which is not what it's about. So um, good on Goodell for doing it. I do think it's a little too late, but um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it was said.
2: Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, chime in really quickly with the uh, Chip Kelly before I talk about Kaepernick uh, the Chip Kelly, I guess that, when they hired him, that was like that kind of first, quote-unquote, college offense that was in the NFL. Uh, and they gave Chip Clay too much power, and he abused that power, and he was a terrible, I think he is a terrible head coach. Look at UCLA now. They suck with him. Uh, and he also, like, didn't he call, like, Deshaun Jackson, like, a gang member? Like, he said he was in the gang, or he said started some rumor. About his personal life that was completely untrue yep so uh yeah chip kelly's piece of shit and i hate him i don't hate that's mean that's reading i I don't hate (laughs) chip kelly i do i think i think he's just he was just in over his head and now he's being punished by coaching ucla it is (laughs) Um, one thing
0: that connects us as fans though durgan we've both experienced true i mean he went to the niners after the eagles and we we can both vouch for how terrible of a coach he was so
2: and, and oddly enough, I mean, his last year in NFL with Niners, Kaepernick was his quarterback. So it kind of works in perfectly here. I, I could write a book about my thoughts on Kaepernick. I have positive ones. I have negative ones. Um, but in terms of like what he did with the protests and, and NFL backed him, it's not even about football. I mean, the fact was that his career was kind of on the downturn. I mean, he has some injuries, a major soldier injury that kind of lost some touch and Some uh oomph on his uh throws, but he, he was still easily one of the best 32, to the top 40 quarterbacks. But in terms of the socioeconomic stuff, yeah, if, if they had backed him earlier, a lot of this controversy would die down. A lot of people might maybe open their eyes earlier to see what's happening in this world and what's going on. I mean, it, it became a, uh, a division, I mean, a fight between NFL fans and. Not fans in the NFL and people who watch the NFL. Is NFL racist? I mean, the NFL, no matter what, is going to make money. So they honestly, at the end of the day, they can say what they want to say. They don't care because they're going to keep going. But the fact that Goodell did come out last week and said, you know, hey, we were wrong. Huge first step. Notice how he didn't say Colin Kaepernick's name because then Colin Kaepernick could sue him for a lot more money. So that's why, you know, I don't fully believe that Goodell cares. But the fact that they admitted that they were wrong, how many times has NFL ever admitted on a stance like this that they were wrong? I can't think of one. That has I mean, they They're wrong on their crappy calls, stuff like that. But in terms of, like, we didn't support this guy on his beliefs that had nothing at all to do with football. Which, I mean, that's the whole thing. But I think it got just so kind of offline in terms of football, people started breaking down Colin Kaepernick. Oh, well, he's doing better or worse because his kneeling. No, that had no effect on him as a football player. And it should never have had any effect on him as a football player. He should be in this league. Whether you want to argue he's a starter in this league, then I will get in a passionate debate with you. But you can't, you know, if if he should never have been blackballed to begin with, I don't think he'll get another chance. I mean, he's been out of the league for three years now, four years now, four three years, years yeah. I think it is. So I think I mean realistically his playing career is done, but as long as he's under the age of forty, you'll see people on Twitter saying sign Kaepernick, and NFL could have avoided all that if they said, hey, you know what, maybe we don't agree with him, but we support him. And at the end of the day, that's all you have to say um, as a person, you know, especially with a person of power like Arthur Goodell. Hey, maybe I don't agree with what he's doing, but I support him. I realize there's a problem, I realize there's an issue, and I'll you no, know, we'll back him up. We'll donate money we'll open up you know resources and yada 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 to help out this uh unfortunate issue we have in our country
0: well said durgan um i i agree with that and and i think you know like i was
1: saying he did it now but it's a little late so
0: anyways i mean it
1: a quick i mean it starts the conversation earlier and then you're right it's a little too a little too late but also it's it's significant that people can grow and understand their faults and correct it now so it shouldn't be dissuading for for someone to admit wrongdoing whether it's authentic or, or not or whatever um, his voice is impactful and you think about the demographic that watches the NFL predominantly white um young to middle-aged men, right? And that's the the same kind of demographic that's enacting uh, unwarranted violence on people of color. And for him to, to voice that now um, is impactful. And it would have been impactful then. Um, so if, if people are have previously taken a poor stance on what they think about Colin Kaepernick and are now... Um, being forced to look at why they were doing that and reassess their opinion on it and they come out and say, hey, I was wrong. Um, Props to them. It would have been better if you had acted in the past and and taken action to to do that when it was happening, but also props for recognizing um, that you made a mistake and and your, your thinking was poor in the
2: past. Yeah, totally true. Totally true.
1: Yeah. And I mean,
0: I'll echo that. I I totally, I agree that it's good he said it. It just feels more hollow because of the timing, if that makes sense. It doesn't feel like it was of his own volition. It felt, feels to me like it was something he feels the the pressure to do versus something he truly believes in, but it is what it is. And like you said, it's good that he's using the platform that he personally has, as well as the NFL, um, to spread a good message. So, Let's wrap things up there on episode 42 of the Weekly Spiral. We greatly appreciate you guys tuning in and sticking with us here. Uh, please check us out. Our website, weeklyspiral.com. You can find all our social handles as well as the latest and greatest in content. Casey, you want to tell the, the kind people
1: what you have coming up? Uh, yeah. Hey, how do you think the Jets are going to do this year? Watch the video to find out. Actually, it's just about Sam Darnold, but oh, uh, yes, see, see, the best quarterback uh, in the league. What he struggles with is he actually seeing ghosts. Um, watch it to find out. All right, he, it positive. was an interesting look. Ken, oh, positive. Look. Can I Sam, Sam
0: succeed? We will find out. I love Sam Darnold, Mister Durgan. Besides Sam Darnold, anything else exciting you want to talk about here?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Friday we have the sleeper squad for fantasy football. Uh, I go with them deep sleepers. I don't go with the basic sleepers. I go deep, deep, deep into the sleeper batch. Check that out. Last week's uh, fantasy article, if you check that out, got some positive, actually not a positive, got some feedback uh, probably most you have ever gotten. So check that out as well. Uh, but every Friday for the next month plus, it'll be fancy action.
0: Nice. All right. We're well, looking forward to your deep REM sleepers for fantasy. That's exciting. <laughs> uh, this has been a Weekly spot production, bringing you fresh football every single week. We greatly appreciate you tuning in, and we hope whatever you get up to the rest of the day, the night, the morning, whatever you're listening to this, you have an awesome rest of the day, and we will see you next week for episode 43.